In today's gospel lesson, we see that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, are trying to entrap Jesus. In other words, Jesus is just living his life. He's doing the thing he came to do. He's trying to bring about God's kingdom by teaching and preaching and healing. And they are trying to trip him up. Now, I thought about many examples of the way in which the world tries to trip us up. People try to trip us up. And just yesterday, I was at our semi-annual vestry retreat, and we began with a nice breakfast taco bar. And as one does, there are people who wait in line, and they go through the bar, and there's a long line of people waiting for the food. And as I was kind of walking around the room talking, one of our members got their food early, and they were sitting and politely waiting for everyone else to get their food. And I said, oh, go ahead and eat while it's hot. And she looked at me, and she said, oh, I have my mother's voice in my head saying, you need to wait. And then she proceeded to tell me about how she always helps to host a big Thanksgiving meal. And one year when she was making all the food, she said the same thing to all of the guests, saying, go ahead and eat while it's hot. Don't wait for everybody. And one of her young adult sons turned to the rest and said, don't eat, it's a trap. (laughs) Now that's not exactly the same kind of trap that the Pharisees were trying to put on Jesus. But you get the idea that it's easy for us to kind of get trapped in little things and it's easy for us to get trapped in big things in the world. And today Jesus is resisting that kind of trap. Now for us, when we think about who we are supposed to be as disciples of Jesus, that kind of entrapment is something that we should take quite seriously. So much of what we've been talking about these last few months really centers on discipleship. This idea that we are called to follow Jesus and what that following actually looks like. Consider the fundamental call of what we are to do as disciples of Jesus. When Jesus is asked what is the most important thing to do, Jesus' response is simple. And we know this, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Jesus offers this idea of love in a most frustrating way because Jesus doesn't give us boundaries. Jesus doesn't say who to love or how to love or when to love. Jesus just says, love God and love your neighbors. That's it. And yet, we want boundaries. We want to know who and when and how. We want to know if people are a jerk, do we still love them? Or do we wait a while to love them? Or can we never have to love them again? Jesus' call to love can be frustrating to us because our human nature wants us to put boundaries, wants lanes, wants us to know exactly where we're going and how to do it all the time. Consider the way in which the world tries to form us to have limits and boundaries around that love. There are small ways in which people influence us and emphasize and try to nudge us to or not to love. And then there are big macro ways where if we're not careful, as disciples of Jesus, we can find that we are very far away from the kind of broad love Jesus calls us into. Just consider what's going on in the world right now. If you're like me, Every day, multiple times a day, I am going to read about what is going on in Israel and in Gaza. This is so complicated, and it's scary, and it's worrisome. It is tragic. The terrorist attack that happened in Israel and the developing humanitarian crisis in Gaza, the whole thing is horrible. As people of faith, we're really called to try and figure out how best 
to put that love into action, to do something very helpful. Last Wednesday, I spent about the first 10 minutes of my Bible study talking about the history of Israel and Palestine. And a week from Wednesday on November 1st, we're going to offer a five o'clock teaching on kind of history of Middle East, what's really happening to bring us to this place in Israel and Palestine, and then following with a prayer service. And we'll make sure you all get information about that on November 1st. But today, as we are trying to figure out what we're supposed to do as disciples, it can be really challenging. Make no mistake, what is happening in the Middle East as a icon of all of the troubles in the world is so complicated. The complexity that brought us to this point and then the complexity of what is happening day to day, hour by hour, is not something that can be reduced to simple actions. There is no simple solution. And yet, we can find ourselves desiring something simple. We can find ourselves trying to learn from someone who gives us a simple answer, just what to think and what to do and how to feel. And we cannot fall into that kind of trap. As disciples, we are called by Jesus to resist the ways in which the world can trap us into limiting who we are made to be. Going back to our gospel lesson, the idea that Jesus poses to these people who are seeking to entrap him is quite simple and profound. The discipleship opportunity that Jesus gives to each of us in his story is something that is not easy to follow, but it is what we are called to do. When Jesus senses the authorities are trying to trap him, he says, hey, bring out your money. And so they bring out the money and they say, whose image is on your money? And of course, it's the image of the emperor. And Jesus says, okay, well then give the emperor what belongs to the emperor and give to God what belongs to God. Now we understand the whole idea of the image on the money. Sure, okay, that belongs to the emperor. But then Jesus say, give to God what is God's. So what is God's? When Jesus uses the idea of an image on a coin, Jesus is inviting us to imagine what else image represents. When we speak of God and of God's image, what do we often say? That we, we are made in God's image. We are made in the image of a loving God. We actually bear the image of God. And so just like Jesus said, give those coins that bear the emperor's image back to the emperor. What Jesus is then saying is, if you bear God's image, give back to God what is God's. That's us. You and I bear God's image on our souls. And I hope that kind of feels good. I hope it feels good that God loves us enough to have been made in God's image, that we have been imprinted with God's image, that God in all the glory and in the largesse and in the love has made us in his image. What we possess should not be what defines us. Jesus says, look at that money. Look at your power. Look at your authority. Look at your security and your comfort. That, 
may be what defines you now, but what God is calling you into is something so much better, so much bigger, so much deeper, so much more profound because you, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you think of yourself, are made in God's image. God wants us back. God wants all of us. God wants our hopes and our fears. God wants our joys and our pain. God wants our failures and our successes. God wants us, all of us, every one of you. Discipleship, the way we choose to follow Jesus, is a choice that we make over and over again. Jesus is calling us because God's image is on us to choose again, to give and to give again back to God. We know that truth. It feels good in our souls. This church, this community, these people right around us, they are all here. We are all here together to help shape and mold and nudge and challenge us to be the kind of people God made us to be when God put his image on our hearts. We are meant to challenge one another. We are meant to push one another away from the simple answers and into the profound depth of the love that God offers each and every one of us. God loves, we know, extraordinarily and lavishly. Who are we to not do the same? What we have, who we are, all belongs to God. So let's make sure each and every day we choose, no matter how hard the choice may be, to give back to God what is already God's. Amen.